0: Yeah, what are the songs you're listening to, and what are the things, whether it's traffic, whether it's people, whether it's talking or not talking, that drive you crazy? I think for many of us, in our marriage even, you know, we had a certain album that was playing. We got married, we had hopes, we had dreams, and maybe it was Unchained Melody, and that was just a song that played in your life, Unchained Melody, that's what marriage is going to be like, especially that scene from Ghost, you were thinking. And then like you know, a few years go by, you realize the different communication styles, you realize you don't always understand each other, and you go from the you know, Unchained Melody to like, you know, The Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. Like, what happened? This isn't what I signed up for. Or Maybe it's parenting. I mean, you remember dreaming about kids, hoping about kids, praying for kids, maybe going for infertility for kids, and man, the, the song playing in your mind was, I hope you dance, I hope you dance, I got dreams for the kids, you know, time like a wheel keeps on turning. And you've had a bad week with your two-year-old. Or you've had a bad year with your 17-year-old. Or you've got your adult kids, won't let you see the grandkids. And you're like, you know, it's no longer I hope you dance. It's the devil inside, that little hellion that I raised. I can't believe all the joy I don't have, right? And now the thing you prayed for and hoped for is driving you crazy. Or, or maybe it's like in that song. Yeah, it's traffic. That's what pushes your buttons. It's Traffic. Because you're like, you know what? Life is a highway. You drive it all night long and and you need to drive. The the vertical pedal on the right's the gas people, right? And you start off with life's a highway and you end up with like a ring of fire of how angry you are about what's happening. So, what we're going to find today is that the two things we can't control are the two things we want to control people and circumstances. I can't deactivate the button pushers because they're on the outside. People circumstances. I can't do it. I can't deactivate the button pushers that are on the outside. But here's the good news. I can deactivate the buttons because they're on the inside. So even if life keeps pushing and people keep driving a certain way, people keep saying or doing things that are ideal, I can learn how to deactivate the buttons because they're on the inside. How do we do that? We're building on that in this whole series. So number one, how do we do that? First way we deactivate is so we got to notice what are the tapes we're listening to. We began that process last week, if you want to go back and watch the video, and we're going to build on it this week. What are the, what's the background music that plays in your life when your brother says that thing, when your mother does that thing, when your wife does that thing, when your husband doesn't say that thing? What is the music that starts to play? What are the tapes that you're listening to? So there's a guy named James, and James is the brother of Jesus. And James, yeah. <laughs> he and his brothers and mom didn't get along real well with Jesus. I know it's hard to believe and hear the Christmas story, but obviously Mary loved Jesus. But as he kind of makes crazier and crazier and crazier claims, it says in Mark 3.21, that his family would kind of come out and say, hey, cut off with the crazy talk, crazy talk. Cut off the crazy talk, Jesus. They thought he had lost his mind. So they very much were able to push. Jesus was pushing their buttons by not doing anything wrong. But they just thought he was embarrassing them. So James is the last person you would ever think would become a follower of Jesus. I mean, what would it take for you to be convinced that your brother is the Messiah, God himself on earth? You couldn't pay me enough. You couldn't convince me enough. But James decides his brother is god himself on earth after years of feeling like he was pushing his buttons i always gotta live up to jesus i just heard mary and joseph i can't be like jesus wouldn't it be frustrating to grow up with a perfect brother Um, ask my brother and sister it was really hard for them too (laughs) so james is um is is what would convince him to go from crazy to he's the messiah and he becomes a leader in the church it's the resurrection of jesus after jesus dies and raise himself from the grave he personally appears to his brother james and james is like whoa i was wrong the guy who i thought pushed my buttons i got to change all my tapes i thought he was crazy he's actually god near me so he writes this letter called the book of james to a group of people who life's really push, pushing their buttons hardship difficulty persecution and he says to them i found the secret to be able to overcome anything Whatever life's pushing buttons on is this truth and relationship with Jesus. Here's how he says it. He says, brethren, these are fellow Jewish Christians living during a time of persecution. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, that sounds ridiculous. When you go through a temptation or trial or difficulty, I want you to count it, assess it. It's, a, it's, a, it's something you're doing with your mind. You're calculating, right? Like a calculator. You're calculating the joy of the situation. It doesn't seem very joyful. It seems like a trial. He well, how do you do that? You need to know something. You need to do something in your brain. Something you need to listen to. You need to play behind the scenes when things aren't going the way you hoped. You need to know, number one, this is a test. God is testing to bring out stuff, weaknesses in you that he might not want to deal with. And if you will count it joy, and if you will see this as a test, then God will grow you through it. It will produce patience. In other words, when I'm getting mad in traffic, or get mad at my spouse, or get mad at my kids, I think... Traffic, kids, that's a problem. God would say, no, no, I'm bringing out the problem, which is you're impatient. I'm bringing out the problem is you don't control your anger very well. I'm bringing out the problem, and this is a chance to test some things you need to grow in. And that patience can have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, which is kind of James' way of saying you can be mature. God wants to grow you. God wants to create and form your inner life. So the book that came out um, a couple years ago, I, I read it this year. It's called Do Hard Things. And Steve Magnus is the writer, and he's a professional um, coach, he's a running coach for national, international uh, um, runners and other athletes, not just runners. And he tells lots of powerful stories in here. But one of the stories that really struck me is he talked about the stress levels that they looked at for those who were in the Army. Actually, all military, not just the Army, but the difference between the infantry and the officers and the decision-makers. And he said, when it came time for a decision to make to go into battle, to be in the front lines of battle. The infantry, the people going into battle, said, okay, decision's been made, we're going in, we know our orders, we know where we're going, we know what we're gonna do. But they are like right in the middle of danger. And their stress levels were significantly lower than the officers or the decision makers who were farther away from danger. And that was fascinating. And as I began to investigate why that is, is because. The infantry, they didn't have any power or control over what decision was made or why we're going, where we're going. They just knew when a decision is made, I'm trusting my commanding officers to make the decision, and I know what I'm supposed to do in the situation. However, the decision makers know, like all decision makers, it's an imperfect world with like, you're weighing a little this and a little this, this is black and white, and this is a little gray, and this, this is the best decision we made. They had a lot more anxiety... Because they were the ones actually holding the weight of the decision. I think in the same way what James is saying is when you know there's a God, and you know he has a plan, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't fully, wouldn't have made this decision, if you can trust that there's a God, a commanding officer, then you can say, then what's my orders? Well, here's the order. Count it all joy. See this as a test. See this as a chance to mature you. And you'll have less stress than thinking it's all up to you. If only I'd done this, if only I'd done that, if only i did this, if I can go back, you'll drive yourself crazy with the regret and guilt of trying to be something you can't, which is somebody who can go back to the, to the past. So, so, so James continues, and he's writing to this group, and he says, you gotta listen to what you're listening to. He says, so, if you go through this, another tape to play for yourself is blessed. There's a, there's a blessing going through this. It doesn't feel very blessed. Blessed is he who endures, when you endure temptation, so he calls these temptations and trials, You're tempted to uh, be impatient. You're tempted to be angry. You're tempted to give in to your own lust for power or control. Blessed is he who endures that temptation for when he has been approved, when you show, oh, this came out of me and I had God deal with it. This came out of me and I helped work with it. He will receive a crown. See, meaningless suffering feels meaningless because it's like nothing could be worth worth this. So I want you to keep playing in the background. This will be worth it. God has a plan. He's growing me and he has a reward for me for passing the test. Wouldn't that change your perspective on difficulty? Now look what he says next. Let no one say when he's tempted. Did you know you talk to yourself? Some of us do, some of us don't. We all talk to ourselves. There's always background music playing when life's pushing your buttons or when somebody else is pushing your buttons. Let no one say you're saying things, you're singing things to yourself. There's a background music playing. Don't say when things happen, I'm being tempted by God. God's out to get me. Oh my goodness, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't have to put up with this. That actually creates the misery and the grumbling that overtakes you. That's very hard to figure out and notice the tapes you're playing. They're so intuitive to us that they just feel like it's normal. It's natural. It's just what one does. But two people can encounter the same circumstance and react differently because... They're playing two different tapes. One of my favorite books, it's kind of a short story, but maybe a book. It's by C.S. Lewis. It's called The Great Divorce. It's an imaginary journey from a guy who's in hell. He's on this kind of crummy bus ride where everybody hates each other. and, And he makes his way up to heaven, which is this glorious, amazing place. And as he gets up there, an angel is trying to bring to his attention that he's been practicing some background noise for so long, he doesn't realize it's overtaken him. He's become a compulsive grumbler. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. Hell begins with a grumbling mood. Always complaining. Always blaming others. But you're still distant from it. You're distinct from it. You know you're complaining. You know you're ungrateful. You know you're kind of grumpy. but, But you still, you know it's not you. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it. But there may come a day when you can no longer. There will be no you left to criticize the mood or even enjoy it. It's fun to grumble sometimes just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. You ever notice people like that? It's easier to see in others than yourself. They just don't even realize there's this constant background noise of grumbling, complaining, could have been better, I noticed what was wrong. And that music, that music playing in the background, as they get older, if they don't notice it, they become the grumble, they become the complaint, they become the anger, they become the victim, right? So what James is telling us is let no one say to you, notice what you're saying to yourself when you're going through difficulty. What are the albums you're listening to? When your spouse isn't particularly patient, when they bring up something the way you don't like, when they say something insensitive, maybe you got some uh, Taylor Swift going on. The minute they start to talk, you say, what album am I going to play? Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Well, I wouldn't have been so angry if you hadn't been so insensitive, and I wouldn't have said that if you hadn't done this. It's not me, it's you. Look what you made me do. And if you don't like that song, well, I'll grab another one. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. Whatever happened, none of this, 100% of this is not my fault. Wow, that's amazing that 100% of this is not your fault. What if you switch tracks? What if the background noise when your spouse was talking to you when you're in a conflict with somebody at work, is you say, I'm just going to play a different track. I did something bad. It is highly probable that I did something bad here. And this is actually why the Bible is so helpful. If Jesus really died on a cross, for not just the group's problems, but for my problems, that whatever my spouse is bringing up, whatever my life is bringing out of me, whatever my kids are mentioning, it might be something that Jesus had to die for. And I might highly probably, should consider that maybe it's true. It develops humility, it develops teachability, and an openness, because whatever I find about myself, he's already forgiven me for. It pulls out the sting, it pulls out the shame. What else might you be playing? Well, how about I, the Tiger? How about instead of, like I mentioned last week, that Charlie Brown song, why is everybody always picking on me? Why is God picking on me? Why is life picking on me? I had an uncle, he always say, I got a black cloud over my head, Chad. Maybe you're making bad decisions. No, no, i got a black cloud in my head. (laughs) I don't deserve this. I can't make it. I can't fix this. It's never going to change. Well, if you don't notice that's playing, you're not going to be able to switch over. You're not going to be able to get some eye of the tiger going that God's going to grow me through this. Or maybe when it comes to God, you know what? While this is hard and while this is difficult and while it's not what I want, how do I listen to Bon Jovi? I'm living on a prayer or some journey. Don't stop believing. I can be matured through this. There's things I can grow through this. Figure out what tapes you're listening to. Number two. Number two is we need to realize that these buttons are on the, are on the inside. Remember, my buttons that other people are pushing are on the inside. Now, this does not feel true. This is not how we talk. Even when we say button pushers, the focus is on them. They control what I do. But remember, my buttons are on the inside. When I kick things on, All these buttons, I can rewire them, I can reroute them, I can unplug them. If my buttons are on the inside, then I control how I react. Sometimes it's hard. But I also control who has access to those things. So we mentioned last week that uh, Dr. Paul McLaren had a uh, a study called the triune brain. And he said there's uh, the reptile brain, which he called it, which is the equilibrium side. And this is where your heartbeat is, here's where your pulse is, here's the things that kind of unconsciously go on in the background. However, over time, when you feel certain things and think certain ways, you can have all those things pushed up. You know, just a high stress, your RPM's at 5,000, you're stressed all the time, and, and you don't even realize that your whole equilibrium is off. Everything, the power supply for everything else comes from this equilibrium system. And so when you come home for Thanksgiving and when your brother says a thing he always says and when your uncle brings up that political issue he always does, you just can't help but bite. you got to tell them where they're wrong. you got to tell them why that's nonsense. Tell them why that, that, that website they use isn't true. Because your equilibrium is so off you're already stressed before it begins. And all that stress and equilibrium affects the emotional part of your brain, what you tune into, what you're listening to, or the tapes you're listening to. And our hippocampus is often playing old tapes. And these buttons that other people push, they're playing old tapes. We think we're reacting to the button, we're actually reacting to the music that's played by the button. But As we're going to see today, there's some top-level, rational part of your brain. Some MP3s can be played, some music can be played, some new LPs that can change those things. So here's what, um, here's what James says as he's writing. You've got to recognize what's really going on is not primarily about the button pusher, it's about what's going on in you. Let no one say, no one play, when you're tempted, when you're going through a trial, I'm tempted by God. They did that, God did that, life did that. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor, by the way, does God tempt people with evil. Here's how, here's why you get angry, why you get upset. Each one is tempted when he, or she, is drawn away by their own desires, their own enticements. There's something in me that's broken that's why I'm being impatient. There's something in me that's not very uh, sensitive. So when my spouse brings up a need, I'm so focused on me, I don't hear them. Now, that's a hard word, right? That there's something broken in me. But if that's true, that would be a whole tape. There might be something broken in me I need to deal with. That's hard to listen to. But saying it's always the other person's fault, it's not getting you anywhere. What would it be like for us to realize there's some button in me that I need to rewire, work out, and change. I got to see this in two ways. My my friend Brad, we're going to interview him next year. He was telling me his story about uh, getting in the NFL and the challenges. But the biggest thing that struck me is this horrific childhood he had. I mean, by anyone's objective standard, it was abusive verbally and physically. I I mean, I was just emotionally moved (laughs) hearing him tell the story matter-of-factly because he's processed it so well, and I'm like, holy cow. He described what his mother in particular did, and just, it was horrific. And as she began to tell the story, he says, yeah, I came to know Jesus, and I came to know the Bible, and I I met Jesus through my wife, and I learned how to forgive my mom. I'm listening to the story like, I'm not sure I forgive your mom. And I began to humanize his mom and realize his mom, as, as dysfunctional she was, she was carrying on what her mom and her grandmother had done. He could simultaneously say what she did was wrong but also was able to give some humanity to his mom it was was so powerful i was at a birthday party recently and one of the most powerful moments for me is when the kids got up and they were celebrating their their um, their motherhood turned 70 and one of the adult kids got up and said you know mom and they're kind of harassing her about all of our idiosyncrasies and one of the adult kids said man at 70 i see you still trying to grow learn what you do right what you're doing wrong and i'm so impressed to see somebody at this milestone in life still wanting to do better because don't most people like the older you get it just like all the bad habits get like ingrained it's in double print bold now age chronological time does not fix the problem you got to dig in to your tapes and dig in to those buttons but you can change there's a guy named uh, langdon gilkey He was a professor, his dad actually was a professor at University of Chicago, rather. And he kind of grew up with the idea, even though his dad was a a Christian, he grew up with the idea that what he had taught in university, what he believed is people are basically good. Um, People aren't drawn away by their own sinful desires. That's kind of depressing, and that's kind of bad on your self-image. People are basically good. And, And when people do struggle with things, if we could change the environment, you would be better. But people are basically good. And when they're not, educate them, and they will be. Well, he decided to become, he, he graduated from Harvard, top of his class, he becomes a professor, and he goes over to teach English in China. That 1919 uh, timeframe, somewhere in there is where his life was. So he writes this book called the Shantung Compound. And he says he and all these highly educated, Harvard-level English professors, college professors, all of a sudden Japan comes in and conquers that section of, of China. And all of a sudden, 2,000 of his friends, highly educated, moral friends, are shoved into a two-and-a-half-acre POW camp where he describes each one of them had 18 inches to sleep in and all of your earthly possessions were three foot of extra space at the end of your bed. He said, and it was hard. But as the weeks, days turned into weeks, and as the weeks turned into months, all these highly educated, good people began to steal from one another, began to lie to one another. They would have these group meetings. They'd try and shame people into, when you steal something from somebody, that means you got two pieces of bread and they got none. Come on, guys, we got to help. The stealing continues. The lying continues. He said the thing that struck him most <laughs> is these highly educated, you know, Harvard-trained, just like him people... At one point, they had 11 people crammed into a room the same size as another room with nine people. So the 11 people said, hey, seems fair and equitable that how about we take one of our 11, put them in this room, and then we'll all share the same space with 10. So he comes over to talk to the people who have this much space for nine, and what do you think they said? Not a chance. This is our room. This is our space. That's their problem. And he ended up becoming a follower of Christ and Jesus by realizing What the Bible says is true. There's more than just we make mistakes, more than just we need education. Even the most educated people have something broken in them. There's something in us that God needs to die for, but he wants to bring out and develop you in. It's a powerful story. But here's the question. If you tell yourself all the time people are basically good, then why are people so selfish? Why are the people that you love sitting around the, the, the table at Thanksgiving, why, why do they do mean things and, and irritable things and unthankful things? And and where all are all these wonderful, good people? As a pastor, I get to see people do the most horrific things to the people they love, let alone the people they hate. Maybe this music is right. There's something broken in all of us, and when we react, it's a chance to... To ask God to forgive those things, but also repair those things. Which brings us to the third way to deactivate. The third thing we need to do when we deactivate is we need to recognize that groovy tunes can rewire those old reactions. But you gotta know what you're currently listening to, and that takes, sometimes it takes journaling, sometimes it takes feedback, it takes a lot of grace and teachability. And then what are the new grooves I'm gonna play? As I mentioned last week, science has shown us that when you think new thoughts over time, over 30 days, it literally creates new grooves, topographical grooves we can see uh, on the physical architecture of your brain. New truths change your wiring. The same thing is true as well. These tapes have been playing for years, they have already formed grooves that are not healthy, which is why I told myself I wasn't going to get mad. I told myself I wasn't going to say that. I told myself I wasn't going to react. And your wheels fall right into the groove, right? And you do the same thing you always did. It's the same fight with your spouse you've always had. It's the same fight with your teenager you always had. It's the same thing with your boss you've ever had. Those grooves are there. But you can actually, through new truths and new music, form literal new grooves, and you record those new tunes on top of these old tapes. Your brain has got some components. It's got these old tapes here in the middle, but you've got to hit, hit record over them to play these new grooves, these new truths, God's truth. And God says he is truth. So to put his truth in your life is to put him in your life. And, you know, with an MP3, you don't record over it. I mean, you can make a new file and rename it so it becomes the same one, but you don't really record over it. But you can take an MP3, you can take an, an LP, and you can record it on old tape. For those of you who remember old tapes, you remember how you do it? You pull out the scotch tape, put a piece of scotch tape right here over this hole, which makes this little recording mechanism kick in. So now you can press record, otherwise it won't record. And now you can record new tunes on top of old grooves. And that's the idea. My grandpa used to have this reel-to-reel player. Same kind of thing, these old tapes. You know, you'd hit play on this thing, and it would roll. In fact, back when backward masking was kind of a big thing, I would would record stuff on Grandpa's reel-to-reel and I'd play it backwards so I could hear, you know, number nine, number nine, number nine from the Beatles or whatever. (laughs) But we don't even realize. We just think we're going through life. We don't realize there's old tapes playing, there's old reels playing. And besides identifying those things, we also need to realize and understand what are the new grooves that can overcome those things. How do we do that? But here's what James says. He says, here's what I want you to know. Don't be deceived by your old tapes, that old music, those things that you think are true that aren't true. Don't be deceived, my brethren. Every good gift, God's not to get you, God's not punishing you, whatever you're going through, every good gift comes from God. And you're so focused on what you don't like that's happening, what if you began to play the music of what am I thankful for? What are my gifts? What are the ways he's he's entrusted me? What are the ways I'm thankful? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. God cares about you. And whatever hard thing you're going through, it can't be he doesn't love you because he sent his son, my brother, by the way, to die for you. And he brought him back to life, and and he will do that in your life. He can bring life into the dead spot you're finding when people push your buttons. By the word of truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's not just like think new thoughts. It's like Jesus says, when you put my truth functioning in your life, it can transform things. So I was talking to a guy recently, and, and he'd gone through a real tough work situation. And when he did, he said, I just, I just didn't realize that my colleagues could be so cruel and so gossipy and so backstabbing. I said, "What's well, because you believe in what the Bible says about everybody made in God's image, and that everybody's redeemable, and that God loves people. But the Bible also believes that people are cruel and mean and nasty. You need to up your belief in the brokenness of human beings. You've kind of got this naive people are good most of the time. Music playing, it's not gonna serve you well. It's kinda of like the parent. Yeah, I have this, you know, seen this for years as a pastor. Being in a situation at school and they're like, the teacher called and said that my son lied. My children don't lie. Really? Really? Well, my children lie because they're human beings. And and they lie because they have a dad who lies and a a grandpa who lies and and a mom. And we're not happy that we lie. But if you have music that says your kids don't lie or you don't make mistakes or you're for sure right, how could you possibly hear the truth? So what are you playing? And what would it look like to play some new grooves on top of those old tapes? I did a, a marriage seminar this year and the Overwhelming number one thing, all the couples said every age, that was keeping them from repairing, forgiving, meeting the needs of one another, is some version of this. They were playing, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> you think you're right, you think the way you handle it's right, you think what you think about it's right, you think the way you're processing it is right, and you think while they're talking, the whole time they begin to talk, wrong, 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 wrong. It's arrogance. Is self-right, And I'm not saying you're 100% wrong, but I'm not saying you're 100% right. But I'm saying that the pride and the lack of humility is what's causing the problem. What if you swapped, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way, with humble and kind by Tim McGraw? In this situation, what would it look like, whether it's my kids bringing something up to me or my boss bringing something to me, how could I be humble and kind in how I approach it? Maybe you're going through a a difficult time, a discouraging time. And the music that's been playing, it played for your mother, it played for your grandmother, it played for your dad, is depression. And you've been playing Willie Nelson's Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. And, And so much part of your makeup, you think it's you. You think it's your personality. That's just how I am. You've confused your bad habits and your music for who you are. And I have a lot of sympathy for all that music's been playing for so long. But maybe it's time to play some new grooves. Maybe it's time to play some happy What would it look like for me to try and incorporate a new music bed to my life? When it comes to God, do you play songs like, From a Distance? God's out there, but He's not available to me. Or maybe Spirit in the Sky. He's just an energy out there. But what if you began to play, Whatever's going on in my life, it's, it's, what if God was one of us? Yeah, yeah, God is good, and God is great. How might that change how you react and how you respond? Many of us, when we think of God, we're playing every breath you take, every move you make, every breath you take, I'll be watching you. Do you remember when that was a slow dance in the 80s and 90s? Slow dance time, get the person you love. Every move you make, every step you take, I'll be watching you. This loving song, right? But many of us have incorporated that into God. We think, God, you know, don't make you mad. I'll send you to help. Not a God who's available and cares about you. So how do we apply this? To really get practical, I think you need to rehearse these new tapes. Rehearse these new tunes before you encounter your old button pusher. Before you get into that moment with them. Before you end up at at the table with them. Before you have that next fight with your daughter you always have. Or that conversation you always have with your wife. And that pattern always happens. Rehearse. When this happens, it triggers that button. I need to deactivate that button. It plays that song. And you're not going to be perfect at it but you're going to slowly begin to engage in your own mind what am i thinking what am i listening to what am i feeling and you're going to slowly detach yourself from the old patterns and begin new grooves it's going to take practice you do it before you're in the situation think of it this way here's three ways to do it before you get in that conversation with your mom your dad your boss i need to tell myself it's not them pushing my buttons i control my reactions And I control their access to making me do whatever I'm going to do. Now, that's hard to believe. That doesn't feel true. I'm trying to convince you it is. Two, when X happens, when they bring up politics at Thanksgiving, I'm going to play this tune, humble and kind. Tell me more. I totally disagree with everything you're saying, but I'm going to be a good listener. James goes on to say, "Be, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Also remind yourself, whenever somebody's speaking to you, like I mentioned last week, I'm interpreting them through the tunes I'm playing more than actually hearing what they're saying. It's very hard to hear someone because both of you have music playing in the background. I had a friend named, uh, well, I won't tell you his name. Uh, he's been gone on horizon for about 10 years, but wh- one of the most powerful moments is he was a real self-righteous guy. He came in constantly in my office and told me I was doing everything wrong. It was very encouraging. Mm. I-, I tried to take critique even from my enemies. But one day he comes in my office, his demeanor's totally changed, and he goes in and just tells me, this guy who had it all figured out, God, Jesus, marriage, had had this horrible secret that had been in his life for 40 years, and it was devastating. He was humbled. And I began to teach him a series we did called Mind Games, this type of material. And he listened to that tape six times, he said, before our next meeting. He said, I just realized my whole life I've let my urges, my appetites, my background control my life. I want to change. And I got to see his marriage change. I got to see his connection with God change. I got to see his demeanor change. He became better at work. He became a much better version of himself because he was still distinct enough from his habits that he could begin to work on them. I don't know if you know this, that's why we named the church Horizon. Many, many years ago, we named the church Horizon because we wanted Horizon to be a place that people could explore. Our whole logo is designed around that idea. Our, Our early church... Uh, entrepreneurs who began the church they're trying to figure out like what should the name be and what should we be about, what should our purpose be so there are two verses in the Bible that kind of educated that or kind of inspired that one's from the book of Isaiah it says God, he, the all powerful God he sits just above the circle of the earth, that's where we got the idea of the horizon and God is just above the earth he's available, he's attainable if you reach out to him, if you ask for his help he's close enough you can reach him but he's also the all-powerful God who comes with truth and, and power. There's another verse from the book of Job, of all places, that informed our, uh, our church. And it was, he, God, drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters. You ever thought about God as an artist? I think of it a lot. But God personally drew. Every drawing, every painting is, is personal. God has a personal horizon for you in your journey to find meaning and purpose. And he draws it on the boundary of light and darkness. If you're struggling with bad habits who isn't if you want to find light in some dark places in your life god says i'm available and i draw a pathway a horizon for you and so today uh, for the last year our leadership team has been working on refreshing our logo so this is our new logo you may have seen it when you came in on your way in today but it's really our journey you'll see that that horizon is the path we all take as we're getting closer to 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 god as he's drawing him to ourselves and we know that that's an individual journey Some of us are unconvinced about Jesus, God, and the Bible, and we're never going to be convinced, but we're like, I kind of like this stuff, it's kind of helpful for my marriage. We're going to respect whatever journey you're on. And the star, representing, you know, God coming close to us, sitting on his throne, offering his kingdom to anyone who wants it, offering his power to anyone who wants it, right there, available to us. The guide in your journey. We also kept our, our, in our logo, we kept it Lowercase because one of our values is relevant teaching, the other is being comfortable. Our, our mission here is to comfortably connect people to God through the Bible in a community of growing Christ followers. It's the story I just told you, my friend. It was his journey over 10 years of seeing how the Bible could comfortably connect him to God and begin to find the very best version of himself. We, we kept it bold print for community because really our church isn't a bunch of religious people, it's just friends who talk to their friends about things that are important to them. Faith happens to be one of them. The other thing we re-embedded in our logo is a, a motto that we've had from the very beginning horizon is yours to explore whether you're unconvinced whether you're de-churched or unchurched or, or angry at god wherever you are we want to walk with you on that personal journey and help you in whatever way we can because horizon's a place where people can change like my friend did like i'm doing like hopefully you're doing i'm never going to be perfect but i want to make progress we just lead you into prayer we'll just ask god for his help Maybe you want to start by just saying, God, I want to mark today as a day I want to change. And fill in the blank. How I handle stress. How I respond to my spouse. How I get angry at people at traffic. God, thank you for dying on the cross for what I do wrong. I want to be more open to discovering my blind spots. My dead spots. Even my cruel spots. I invite your forgiveness into my life. Remind me I'm forgiven and loved by you, no matter what I find, no matter what my family brings up, no matter what my enemies bring up. I'm loved by you. I hand you my shame, and in my guilt, and invite you to be my leader. God, we thank you that we live in a community uh, of uh, folks here who uh, are imperfect. And yet, uh, God, you love working with imperfect people. So, Father, we be with each person who needs supernatural patience uh, during Thanksgiving? Fill them with supernatural gratitude, supernatural, contentment, supernatural joy. God, that this would be a week when we just sense you are with us, wherever we're at and with whoever we're at. In Jesus' name, amen.